0: Hello friends, thank you for jumping into another episode of the Access Potential Podcast. So today I've got a conversation with a good friend of mine, Amy Bo. and Amy and I met back in around 2015 uh, when I owned the gym down in Melbourne, and Amy helped me to basically fix up a pretty broken body at the time. So she introduced me to a lot of the sort of mobility work, some of the movement training, Uh, some different types of strength training which was really cool at the time and she now lives over in Canada and helps women uh, both in online and offline with the training helps women to get the results in the training through understanding their cycle as well so really cool stuff Uh, she's doing great work and it was cool to have this conversation so the way this one kicked off was, uh, we were gonna record a podcast and then we started talking and I had hit record on the episode, but we never really had a proper introduction. So it's a it's a more relaxed conversation. Uh, then we realized that the episode was rolling somewhere in there in the middle, which you'll hear, which was kind of funny. And at the same time, I think there's a lot of value. You know, In particular, we dive into story, uh, you know, integrating your personal story a little bit more, understanding your personal story a little bit more and how you can bring this into your business. So, and this can create more resonance, more trust with the people you want to work with, uh, plus how it can help you to identify some of your values as well, which, you know, have been lived through you versus values that are kind of a little bit more off the shelf, which is sort of a more common thing that we see with small businesses. So hope you enjoyed the episode. Without further ado, let's jump in. This is John Marsh. You're listening to the Access Potential podcast, and today I'm here with Amy Bo. Think of like a good example of this would be something like Patagonia. Yeah. You know, Patagonia, like it's yeah. a defining brand, especially for a lot of guys, women too. But it's like a real like identity defining brand. Like people, like this is a Patagonia shirt, like. I wear Patagonia. I'm one of those people, right? It fits my narrative. But um, if you go back to when Yvonne Chouinard started this thing, he was, I think he was 14 and he was into falconry and they had, yeah. you know, the falcons. And he was in this group, this falconry club in California. And the adult leader taught them to, um, to rappel down a little cliff face to, to the falcon, this falcon area some sort of a Falcon kind of crib. Right. And (laughs) so he, he fell in love with rock climbing and then he goes and he starts to make these things called pitons that they put into the rock and he would go and he would get, um, like old propeller blades and stuff that were rusted out of steel hand forge these pitons and sell them for a dollar 50. And there's no margin in that. Like he was basically sleeping out of a car and, um, you know, selling these things. He was eating like uh roadkill cooked up, like he was at the bottom. Then the next thing was that the pitons were ruining the rock face. So he realized he was starting to sell out of pitons. He realized he had to make invented a whole new thing, these aluminium uh chalk things that they put in the in the rock wall that you could put in with your hands, I guess. And um then he he started taking off and it blew up. And then, then they moved into soft apparel, soft goods. yeah. And they were selling rugby shirts that turned into alpine gear and turned into like, you know, alpine jackets. And then they went the fluoro and then they, um, now they're in surfing, now they're in all these areas. But the thing is now, if you look at Patagonia, they just did a um, campaign where they they boycotted Facebook ads for a month to make a stand against the way that uh facebook was prolifically allowing like um harmful or unfair news and stuff to be pushed Mm. uh with ad spend so they boycotted facebook spending they get behind a bunch of rallies here in australia around like you know against um different coal mining or against different environmental things because it's part of their it's part of their values now the crazy thing is, if I'm with Patagonia as a consumer, um, I'm a follower, right, in that part of the story, but I'm also leading in my own life to co-create with them this new story for the earth.
1: Yeah. So
0: Patagonia and I and all the others like me who believe what I believe are co-creating this story arc together. And there's a fit between Yvonne Chouinard's backstory of what he believed in and what, he, what was important to him and um, the way that I see the world. And so I could buy a shirt from anywhere, probably an organic cotton shirt from anywhere and probably a lot cheaper. So if you just think about the pain points and where they want to be to where they want to go in terms of the value of your service, you're missing out on the story arc, which is the actual thing that Patagonia is doing, which is um, they're an environmental and social justice company um, that sells clothing. Yeah. And so the the, the features and the benefits and these kinds of things are good. Like Patagonia has good gear, really good, but it's, it's way bigger than that. And it shows when you buy it, you're saying, hey, I'm with you guys and uh, I'm, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm a part of. And I like that you guys are really clear on your values. They just have a little tag on the new line of clothing that came out. I don't have and it. It's, it says like, vote the assholes out.
1: Yeah. I saw and that.
0: It's, <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's what we're, that's what we're into now. And I think that, so with you, you, with warrior school, it's like, what, going, and this is why I wanted to talk a little bit about today. What are some of the things in your backstory that's led you to where you are that you're seeing starting to resonate with the women that you're working with in these conversations on the podcast? And what is that? And, and where can that go? Because they, they the reason resonance means two things at the same frequency that kind of overlay, you know? So resonance, that resonates with me is just somebody saying, I want to co-create that with you. I want to be a part of that. So the follower, we look at people as a follower leader. The follower is an active, just as active role as the leader, because otherwise the thing doesn't exist and the business flops. Yeah. I guess yeah. values-based would be a real simplified way of like riffing on it, but... I think at a deeper level, it's like people want, people are questioning things. People want to be clear on where things are going, what you stand for, what you stand against, what their future looks like if they're a part of you, what statement they're making to others by being a part of um, what you're creating, you know?
1: Oh, okay. All right.
0: What, what, t- take, maybe take us back. What do you think looking back at it now that it's going and there's more I guess traction or you're seeing it in reality? What do you think looking back started you to want to do Warrior School and build something different for specifically for women? What in your story, what in your what do you think some of the drivers were?
1: Um okay. The focus for women probably goes, well, it probably comes from a couple of places. So way back to, I was actually going to go into performing arts. So I did drama all through high school uh, and then applied for performing arts school in Brisbane and got accepted. But then my sister got anorexia. And she was sick for a really long time. And then she was hospitalized and I was probably her main caretaker. So I would cook all of her meals, bring them to the hospital because she wouldn't eat her food, like the hospital food. Uh, And this was about three or four months that she was in hospital. And so, you know, she was in Coffs Harbour. And so we would drive down every day. I would bring her meals to her and then she finally got transferred back to home And then I decided that I would become a dietitian and specialize in eating disorders. And eating disorders, yes, they can happen in males, but predominantly in females. And so I think her being sick uh, and me going through that experience was kind of the birth of, all right, I'm gonna work in this space around, you know, females really struggling with eating because of my sister. And so, That's probably one place that it came from. Uh, And then I think after I was injured and met Jules and worked so hard to, you know, move from this weak, broken girl to this strong, very capable female athlete uh, through a male dominated sport uh, that I thought okay, so like, you know, females can be strong and powerful and I feel strong and I feel powerful. And I was surrounded by other, you know, females that were in barbell club that worked with jewels that were also very strong and powerful. Uh, and that's probably again, another point that, uh, it was this different way, a different way for a female to train, uh, but also, you know, I'd always worked with male coaches and Jules being one of them that would be like, uh, there was never any conversation around the cycle or, you know, like um, he was he was always like push hard, like, yeah, you got your period. Okay, all we're going to do for 60 minutes is abs, yeah, to like flush out like all the blood and stuff. Like he was really like, you know, and it probably Just- like kind of has like, you know, if you think about it, you know, to move, obviously that's better for you. And, but he was just pretty much, okay, you're uncomfortable. We're going to do this. Yeah. Like you got cramps. We're going to do that. Like, we're going to get it moving. Uh, and so we never really spoke about that. And then the third for me is probably my, that my attachment to Olympic weightlifting and knowing that I was doing all of those things right like eating right resting right i had a great coach i had great mobility and movement practices but something still didn't feel quite right and that connection to my cycle and that was probably the third the third thing i guess that thought hey okay so i'm super interested in this eating part because why don't females have like a healthy relationship with food like what why aren't they confident eaters why aren't they normal eaters cuz for me it's always been really normal like I've never had any, you know, disordered eating practices. I've just eaten real whole food enough, you know, (laughs) for as long as I can remember. So that was, yeah, that one piece. And then the second piece I think is like bringing this training part in this different way where you can feel like strong and confident. And I guess what that did for me is just changed like who I was, like who I was as a coach, who I was as like, you know, a friend, a sister. I'm just so confident in like who I am. Uh, Do you remember
0: a time before you, when you didn't have the confidence?
1: Yeah. I remember small parts. So because I come from the gymnastics background, I had always been like And then I danced and then I was a competitive field hockey player. So I've always been like confident in my like physical abilities up until the point when I was at university and then I was just running a lot. And then I got that back pain that was just kept coming up. Uh, And then it was so bad that it stopped me from being able to like train or run and probably the yeah the lowest point where i felt so weak and so broken was in 2012 when i had like that relationship i had a really bad relationship breakdown i had to move i started my masters uh i had that chronic back pain uh and then from there i got shingles <laughs> um i
0: you know it's kind of crazy though at the same time like it, it, you, it sounds like this amazing hole you know, that you were slowly getting yourself deeper into, <laughs> to the <laughs> decisions, but all of those decisions were like, you know, you, they almost sound like confidence driven decisions. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like I'm going to do more, watch this. I'm going to go more <laughs> until yeah. it like, flips itself. huh?
1: Yeah. I would say uh, from the earliest that I could remember, I would have been, I'm very confident, like, you know, confident in my decision and I would just execute it. Yeah, I decided, okay, I wanted to do performing arts. So I applied, got in, but then my sister got sick. So I was like, no, actually, I'm going to be a dietitian and specialize in eating disorders. So I worked my ass off and then did my master's in dietetics and then realized that it it wasn't what I wanted to do. Like I was in practice for a year and it was so hard emotionally. And I thought, actually, I don't want to work with them when they're really clinically unwell. I want to work before that. Yeah, I want to prevent it. So that's when I started to work for the Butterfly Foundation. And I did uh, presentations and workshops for the kids in schools all around disordered eating and eating disorders and body image and self esteem. And I thought, okay, can we like, you know, can we create this conversation in in young girls, especially that Uh, you know, what is your relationship to social media? Does it inspire? Does it trigger? Uh, What is your relationship with food? Where did that come from? Why aren't you a confident eater? This is what a confident eater looks like. Uh, And yeah, that was my shift where, and so, but I made, you know, kind of, it took me a long time to step away from being a dietitian because I had like worked for like, you know, five years and I thought that I wanted to work in eating disorders, but uh, in the, the
0: did
1: yeah, but i didn 't know about that then, so it took me a year, yeah. a year of sitting with it of feeling the resistance of not knowing where I was going to go to next, because you know it cost a lot of money to do you know an undergrad and a master 's and then a lot of time, and I was a dietitian and I specialized in eating disorders, and it was such a Yeah, it was like my label. And then I thought, okay, well, what what am I going to do now? Uh, Yeah.
0: So, when you talk about the, well, there's two things that I'm interested in. One is the performing arts. When you were doing the weightlifting and you always would have like the best technique, right, in your lifting. And things would look really good. Do you think that that part of performing arts of the story, the backstory going way back is still, um, what was still there in some sense during even the weightlifting time and then the movement time? And um, do you feel that coming through now, like in your business and just the way that you can, you know, use your body, your voice, your way of showing up through the work that you do? Like, do you think you can go all the way back and bring that one forward as well?
1: Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking, have we restarted the podcast? (laughs) I was kind of listening to your question. I I have an entry in my mind. (laughs) I was was sitting here thinking, um... (laughs) I don't even know if we started the podcast because then if we have, I've just been rambling and then that to me is not like good storytelling and then it should have been like a question and then you should have had an ad like that. Yeah. (laughs) My, um, yeah, my (laughs) perfectionism just came up a little bit then. Um, but I was actually thinking about this today when I was thinking about doing this podcast with you and when we were going to talk about story and personal story, And I actually thought about performing arts because I was thinking about speaking and I was thinking about podcasting and I was also thinking about a quote. One of my favourite quotes from Steve Jobs was you can always look back and connect the dots but you can't look forward and connect them. And I really like that because, yeah, I think like the performing arts piece comes into what I do now. One of my favourite things is to speak, is to talk uh to express and articulate articulate myself through like a video platform or a verbal platform um and so i don't, i kind of pulled two parts out of this question and and then i wasn't kind of listening cuz i <laughs> i was thinking about the podcast the first part i pulled out was does your performing arts background come through your work yes is that what you were asking me
0: yeah, I think did it, you know, you, you deviated away from it. Did it come through your movement and your training? Like you think that some of that, uh, you know, when we say looking good, usually we have a negative like connotation, like, but I'm meaning in like a positive sense and like in, like drilling the technique and, and working towards mastery. Do you think that was an essence of that performance or performing kind of coming through?
1: Yes. Uh, I think it would go back, well, back into gymnastics, my gymnastics training. Uh, I grew up, I was born in Canberra. So I, a primary school that I went to in Canberra actually had their own gymnasium and they were really big into gymnastics. So I started when I was very young and I trained a lot uh, when I was only, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. Uh, I remember that just before we left, uh, Canberra to move up north, I went to trials at the AIS. And I remember being in this space with all these amazing gymnasts. And my dad was up in the grandstand. And I remember walking over to him being like, I shouldn't be here. Like, I don't look as good as these girls. Uh, And so I think it goes back to gymnastics. But then... When we moved, they didn't have gymnastics in a small country town that we moved to. And so I took up dancing. So again, an expression, uh, you know, you have to learn choreography and there is a right way and there's a wrong way (laughs) when you're learning a routine. And so you have to learn choreography. Uh, And then, and then I guess it came through this movement practice that I learned, so I learned how to Olympic weight lift. Again, it's choreography. Um, most gymnasts and dancers are pretty good at Olympic lifting because of the awareness that they have built with their body and their ability to pick up patterns. And so, and then I got into the movement space just to balance out my training. And so, yes, definitely. Uh, it's come through like my movement practice, uh, which yeah, I think my drama, dance, and drama had a big part in that.
0: Mm. One of the things that I think about with the movement or any kind of like training, especially when you're working with someone or you're you're being you're visible, you're being seen, could just be learning like a little, you know jumping up on a low box in front of someone, or it could be, you know, anything, right? Anything that's kind of on a person's edge of um, lived experience or kind of comfort. And in a sense, there's a performance, a performing um, element to that, you know, like an exposure, like moving, you're moving your body there in front of somebody. And, It's. It can feel like it's being judged. You can feel like you're not ready. It can feel like all of these things can come up. And um, it's interesting that I've never really thought about the performing. I had, um, you know, I had seen a king on the podcast who was a burlesque dancer. And this was something that popped up to me then. It was like this link between uh, movement, the body performing in front of people, evoking an emotion in her, in her situation, and then confidence and trust in the body as well. Do you think with the women that you work with, if there's some who are a little bit less, maybe confident in themselves, um, in their lives, maybe even in other areas, do you see that that comes through at all? Like the fact that not just that they're doing a movement practice and they're trusting their body, but also that it's, it's a little bit on show, like it's on show for them. They it's exposed for them to see where they're at. And then also, um, for others, you, if you're coaching them or you know what I mean, does that, that just that willingness to share and be seen physically, does that come up at all as something that you see?
1: Yeah, a lot, a lot. Um, it 's so funny in class the other day we have this running joke that i 'll show something, and then they 'll go to do it, and it doesn 't look you know exactly like i sh- like like me, but they have this uh ongoing joke, and they 'll say it to each other, "Hey, you look just like Amy <laughs> um, and I think and they love that, and they laugh all of the time because they know that they don 't, but they 're like so excited that they can see the potential of what it would look like. But I always come back to this really important conversation as like, yes, I can do some amazing things with my body, but I couldn't eight years ago. Yeah. Like I was also I was in pain and I was weak and broken and disconnected and I I have worked really hard to be able to express myself physically that way. Uh, And so that's, yeah, one piece that comes up for me is that they'll see something that I do uh, and then, yeah, they'll have that running little joke in between them. But uh, when I do a post on a warrior woman, that's probably my most uh, engaged post. They, you know, and this is by people that just see it, that, you know, maybe following me or following the the warrior woman and it, it's part of like her community, but they love seeing them do something that they want to be able to do. And they love seeing it from a woman that, you know, is is just working towards that. I guess they like to see the, the journey, like the process and the method. Uh, and so I get, yeah, a lot of uh, lovely... Uh, feedback and we start a lot of great conversations when I post something of a woman doing something that one, she didn't even think that she could do. And then two, that, you know, other women that feel like, okay, so, you know, you can't like, that. I guess... Awesome. Uh, a thing that I've been thinking about a little bit is that some of the stuff that I do can come off a little bit intimidating, like a little scary, or like people think, "Hey, that's cool," and they don't think that much else, like that much more about it. But when they see a woman that you know that they uh, know or connect with or understand, maybe what her journey has been like and then they see her do this thing they're so excited for her and they think it's so cool and it's not intimidating or overwhelming that they see hey it's actually possible for me to do that
0: Mm. yeah I love that one of the things that I think is uh one of my my sort of predictions is that the um The whole industry, the whole like kind of health and all of this is setting itself up again for more disruption. And the first one was kind of like that, the simple industrialized fitness, like just, just, you know, full classes, like that was the seed was sort of planted back in the aerobics days or whatever was kind of was kind of open to be disrupted and other and other non non intense ways uh, of of doing stuff would come through and then I think now what I see a lot of from twenty twenty generally is this concept of um, wanting to be seen as a as an audience or client wanting to be seen and understood and then wanting to be part of this thing that we're going to together so like you know i guess in what happened we had the the head of the aerobics class being followed by 20 men and women in the aerobics room and kind of following the leader and then it felt like what happened was um it we have a new leader who might be a leader in handstands or a leader in weightlifting or these leaders kind of globally and then a lot of um sub people following this one way of doing things or these couple of ways of doing things and then reteaching these components to people who then follow them kind of like a trickle down but pointing pointing still to one one or two or three people and what i see is the flip is that the skill sets that are needed as a coach or a trainer or a contractor or an owner um the skill sets are essential, like we need to be able to create the transformation in any business for the people that you want to serve, so you want to help them to 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 get that um that functional job done right of like moving better or feeling better um but then the next thing is do does the does the does the leader does that person um really see the the people that they're working with? Um, do they really see what they stand for, what their values are, where they want to go in their lives, um, or are they just concerned with looking good as a as a person who can do all the tricks and I think the disruption coming could be that those who are willing to to um, connect with the the women or the men and so I th- see a lot of smaller breakdowns potentially coming or smaller smaller groups smaller um, i guess smaller cohorts. But the question that I have is, um, as a leader, and I think that can disrupt, I can think that can disrupt people who are doing, who are great practitioners, great coaches, but are leading a little bit blindly versus ones who are pretty good coaches and practitioners um, who are leading really empathetically and values-based and really um surprising and delighting the people that are in the groups so my question for you is as a person who's been leading people and women in the health and the movement all of these things from a business level do you see more results in how you've changed or improved your knowledge practitionership or is it what you just spoke about before how your um looking at the market and how you're interacting with the women or seeing the women or conversing or connecting with the women that you work with. What's been the biggest shift in terms of how you're thinking that you feel is allowing this connection and resonance to really happen now more than before, if it is more, I'm not sure. Does that make sense? Really long question there. (laughs) Bit of backstory to the question.
1: (laughs) A bit of context. Um, I need to
0: make an assertion.
1: <laughs> I think it makes sense. Uh, so I've been doing this for like 12 or 13 years. So I've been gaining like the knowledge, yeah, the process, the method. I've been the teacher or the leader. Uh, but I think it's this the second piece that is what's supporting them the most or helping them get the results yes the knowledge is important obviously the process and the method and what i have to bring as a teacher but i think it's yeah what you spoke to in this in the second half of your question uh that is supporting them the most is the connection together the stronger together piece uh Because I made a decision uh, quite a few years ago that, like, I didn't want to work in a one-on-one capacity anymore. I had done it for so long and that I wanted to grow something more. Uh, And what what I had found in my own journey was that, you know, that we're stronger together, like having people, like in Barbell Club, yeah, when we were all together and we got to share that experience together and go through the journey together. So that's what I wanted to create. And I think that's the powerful piece. Like, you know, when I still run a couple of women's bodyweight strength classes here, most of my work is online now, but, you know, I still have women that come here and they're stronger when they're together here uh, creating, uh, I just create the environment and I give them the process and the method, but they've become their own teachers and they're teachers to each other. And, you know, they work and give feedback to each other. Uh, they're there to support each other. And I think that you're right in saying that there's going to be a shift And it's happening a little bit, a little bit more in Australia at some of the movement places where, you know, they're teaching them to be teachers, their own teachers, teachers of, you know, the students that are also in the class together. I don't know if I am answering your question, (laughs) your long-winded question.
0: It was long. Um, So, do you get women coming to you who want to move in the way that's exactly in line with what you have on the packet and like what you showcase? Or are they coming to you for something else, something intangible, and then the way that you teach movement is part of that bigger intangible shift?
1: Okay. It's changed a little bit. So before, you know, even a, a few years ago when I wasn't clear on like what it is I exactly did, like my one thing, you know, that I teach women how to train so they can finally get the results that they want in their training through understanding their cycle. When I wasn't clear on that, a lot of women were coming to see me, uh, yes, because they couldn't get their results, but results to them meant weight loss and to change their body composition. So that was their main goal. Once I got clear on my one thing, like what am, what am I doing? Uh, I, I believe that knowing the process and the method, that learning how to train is really important. And then the cycle piece, I think, is also really important. Now, over the last couple of years, through doing this work, Women will now come to see me to learn that, to learn how to train. Uh, they want to get stronger. Yes, they may want to, you know, they have goals of like certain skills. Potentially, they still have a body, body composition goal, but that's a byproduct. The main thing is that they want to learn how to train and they're super curious about their cycle and training with their cycle. Uh, yeah, so I think that you go back a couple of years and they were coming to see me because they couldn't get the results that they wanted in their training and mostly it was weight loss. Now they're coming to see me to be a part of something. So a part of a group like Warrior School and also to learn the how uh, because they realize realized that they've been doing this you know, training, yeah, training in a gym, going to classes for years and they actually can't get the results. Like I I know women that have been you know, maybe doing group training or high intensity training or CrossFit for four or five years and they still don't have a strict pull up. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying like, you know, that's the most important thing, but like for a female, a lot of females that I work with, they wanna be able to do a pull up. They think it's super cool and it looks bad- badass. And I think it does. Uh, but yeah, they, they have just come to this place where they're realizing what they're doing is not working. And they're super curious about why. Why not? Yeah, why have I been doing like CrossFit for four or five years and I can't get the results that I want? Um, And so when they start working with me, I'm teaching them how to train and what that looks like. It's going way back to like basics, (laughs) Uh, and that's frustrating for them. And I meet a lot of resistance. Um, Basically, I'm telling them everything opposite to what they have believed or what they've been told you know in their their training and their their dieting history I guess
0: <laughs> what does some of that look like like what are some of the uh, either either kind of core tenants that you kind of think about or or conversely like what are some of the big flips that happen for them when they come in what makes your um, you know, I guess on one hand business, but on other hand, way of thinking or, or, you know, you could use any word value proposition, like what makes it different? What's the main kind of um, flip?
1: Yeah, great question. Uh, So most of the women that are coming to see me are undernourished and I don't know if I'm gonna, I would say overtrained or Probably mostly just undernourished. They don't know how to recover properly. But yeah, they probably overtrain. So most of them are overtrained and undernourished themselves. They're extremely stressed. So I talk a lot about the red umbrella uh, and the umbrella being like our nervous system and that it has prongs. And so, you know, we need those prongs to work for the umbrella to create its shape and do its job. And so when the women come to see me, uh, one or more of their prongs aren't working or haven't been working for a really long time. So the state of their nervous system is really stressed. Uh, and that is that is the reason why they can't get the results that they want. Now, the results is whatever the results means to them. Yeah. And we do work in that uh, because if it's coming from this place of, you know, just about their weight, shape or size uh, that it's... Uh, from fear and scarcity, and it 's really stressful, and the red umbrella knows that, and so that 's probably why they 're having a lot of trouble you know changing their weight shape or size, so we do work in that, so most of them have weak and broken red umbrellas, so the first place that I start is talking about that that you know, like everything, like how we train, how we eat, how we move, how we sleep, our relationships, our environment, all of it impacts uh, our red umbrella, and that will impact our ability to be able to get the results that we want from our training. So I always bring it back to training because that's, you know, our our big focus or their cycle. Uh, And so we're looking at their red umbrella first. I'm fascinated with three prongs in particular. And I, I, most of my work stays pretty focused on those three prongs. And I refer out if, you know, we need to look at all, if there's maybe potentially a lot of trauma or a lot of relationship stuff or... So the three prongs are training, food, and the cycle. And so if a female comes to me, uh, she... Wants to get certain results, uh, we look at those three prongs. Uh, I I tend to start heavily with food, uh, and start to support her to nourish the food prong because it's you know she's probably been dieting for years or decades. Again, here comes my fascination really with what's her relationship with food like? Mm. Why is it like that? What does it look like? And it's starting to support and nurture that. Uh, you know, there's a few things that I do that I believe uh, that help support that at the start. You know, eating often, every three or four hours, you know, balancing the meals with you know, carbohydrates, proteins, fats. Uh, there are certain guidelines there that I give her to start to build this, what I would call, you know, a confident eater because they're not confident eaters. They mm. have no awareness with their body. They don't, uh, they don't understand what their body's telling them, um, or maybe it's not even sending any signals. So there's some certain guidelines that I give them for food. Uh, it's so funny because when you work with eating disorder patients um, and clients, that food is such a big part because they're so undernourished that their brain doesn't actually function properly. So the dietitians, uh, work is really important at the start to get them, uh, cognitively like aware of what's happening. So then they can do the therapy. Mm. And I think so many of us, uh, I did a podcast the other day with Josh Rubin from real food gangsters and he said, 99.9% 99.9% of people are under eating <laughs> and I honestly believe that most of the females that come and see me are under eating and so if you think about it if you're not giving the body enough fuel and then you're training on top of this mm. no wonder the red umbrella's stressed no wonder what you have an irregular cycle and no wonder uh, why you can't get the results that you want in your training so we do a lot of work there with the food uh and then the second piece is the training piece now again, a lot of the women that are coming to see me uh, are love high intensity training. <laughs> they, you know, they overtrain. They love uh, CrossFit, running, and now, you know, I think what's really important is that if you have a strong red umbrella, like I could go out today and I could do that. Yeah, I could do a high intensity workout, and you know, I'm going to be okay. I could do it probably more often. But if I have a red umbrella that's weak and broken, that's not okay. Yeah. Like, so at the start, there's just certain, I think, guidelines or protocols that I put in place with the main focus is that we're going to nourish the red umbrella. And when we can nourish the red umbrella, then we can go and we can do the work. And so that's when the training piece comes in. And what does the training look like? Well, it's going right back right back to basics. Uh, A lot of it's body weight strength training, her learning how to understand her body, move her body. Uh, And then from here, looking at uh, building strength. And then we have the cycle piece.
0: Yeah, it sounds like one thing that pops up to when I listen is you have framed things in uh, all of, cause it's so complex, right? There's so, there's so much, we're like, you know, um, but once we sit on that and go, okay, cool. It's really, there's a million different things we can look at. What are the things that, what are my assertions? What stands out? And then you've got this model that you've created. It has 12 prongs originally.
1: Um, I, I forget how many the red umbrella has I have on there, but.
0: Yeah. I think uh, I'm, I'm remembering 12 for some reason, maybe it was not, but you really got three main areas that you focus on. And um, what I really like about it is that the model as someone who's in the business helps you to solve a specific problem and then also helps you to understand who it's not for and how to refer out. And um, one of the things that I see in some of the health spaces is because it's so connected is rather than than being clear on what part of that we can kind of help out with or, or share our experience, it's quite easy to make the kind of presumption that we can encompass Stress, movement, food—like all, all of the things. Meditation, and then and and sure, like there's probably value to bring to all of those areas. But by doing all of them, we're actually trying to say, "Well, we're better than everyone else who specialises in all of these areas," and that's fairly presumptuous. Like it's really yeah. bold. Like so, what I like about it is the I hear a, I hear a structure that's really nice, and I think a lot of people could. Um, get some value out of how you map that out and thinking about how their structure goes because the, the tendency to hybridize things and to create all consuming um, models because you can build a model and actually just keep making it bigger <laughs> so it ends up encapsulating the world but it's no longer a useful model because it doesn't it's not powerful you know what i mean
1: Yeah, no, and I love that you bring this up because, uh, well, the work that we've been doing together over the last few years has helped me in this because really before I did a lot of work in the mobility space, in the pain space because of my personal story. So, and I remember our work together and there was one point that I was really stuck and I was stuck in, like I was building, I wanted to build this program and then, And what you made me realize was that like I, through my personal story, I had had the back pain. I had learned the process and method, how to train. And then I had moved, you know, I moved further away and I was like in a different space personally, but all these women that were coming to me were still back where I was, you know, eight years ago. And so, and that was such a great learning for me because I was doing that. I was trying to do all of the things, yeah? Like the things back then when I was, you know, the training things and then the things that I was doing personally now. And there was just this big jumble mess that wasn't clear on what I was exactly doing. And how did I, that feel
0: for you, energy wise?
1: Uh, it was hard. Because I was trying to build, I was trying to get direction and build this thing, you know, this program or, you know, where was my work going? And I was trying to pull in like my personal story and what I felt super confident in, which is the training, the process, the method. Yes, I can get you from, you know, being in pain to pain-free, from feeling weak to strong. Uh, But then I had been on such a journey myself through, you know, stopping Olympic weightlifting and going through like that uh and yeah just my own stuff in the last three years and then i was trying to pull all that into the work but all these women weren't ready for that yet because they were where i was eight years ago mm. <laughs> and so that's that was probably one of the things that really helped me uh in in narrow down this what am i doing yeah what why because i wasn't listening to the women that were talking to me yeah i was having a Really hard time pausing and being like, what it is, what do they want? And what they wanted was to learn how to train. What they wanted was to get results. They wanted to get that pull-up or they wanted to change their body composition. And I I think because of my eating disorder background, I'd always shied away from like having that conversation, it being about weight loss, talking about body composition. uh, And I think I've said this to you before, there's like, you know, you have the fitness space, which is just focused on the numbers and like, you know, the calories and uh, like losing weight. And then you have this space up the other end, which is, you know, health at every size and body positivity. And I'm all for that. Yeah. And then I think if you have a healthy relationship with yourself and food, like you can spend some time down in the fitness space if you wanted to do bodybuilding and stuff. So like I get both places, but I always felt like I fell in the middle of like, you know, can I, can I talk about like body composition or weight loss because I come from an eating disorder background, but I feel like it needs to be said because all these women are spending so much time down in this, this space where that's all they think about. And so uh, that also helped me to be like, you know what, what do you believe in? Yeah. Mm. That's the big thing that I've had to work on. It's like, what do you believe in? Uh, And where where can you lead most powerfully? And mm. so I think that going back to my personal story, so my backstory, being in pain, finding Olympic weightlifting, learning how to train to build this strong, resilient, capable body is one piece of it. Uh, and then really deciding to take a stand on, you know, what I believe around food, what I believe around you know, having this conversation about results and changing your body composition. And because, and I think back into Olympic weightlifting, so it's a weight-based sport. And, you know, I'd have to weigh myself and potentially before a competition, you know, I would get my weight down a little bit, but I always did this from such a positive place. And it was never about the weight. It was about the competition. It was about lifting. But I know if you're in a weight-based sport, especially for a female, it can be a lot about the weight. And so I thought... Well, we need to talk about it. You know, if most of the female population, they want to, you know, lose weight or change their body composition, one, we need to have a conversation. And I feel like that it's okay to do that. And I think it's okay to want to change your body composition, but it depends where it comes from. Yeah. So I just come back to the example of, my journey with Olympic weightlifting—like I wasn't attached to my weight, I was attached to like the the lifting, but. You know, I could, I could change my body composition from a positive place and it didn't impact me negatively. And some women have, you know, a medical condition or they've had uh, unhappy hormones or irregular cycles or they've been on the pill for years. Potentially, they aren't at a body composition that they, they feel, and I think feel is the most important word, they feel like, you know, strong or confident or comfortable in. And I think it's okay to have that conversation. Mm. Uh, it depends where it comes from.
0: Yeah, I I know. I, you know, and it's it's something else too that I think is important that we none of us have the world view of someone else. You yeah. know, it's so when it's you could say as a as a um, fitness trainer or a coach, uh, hey, you know. It's, it's not about, it's all, it's not about body composition at all. Ignore, like just focus on this. And, um, you know, it's the the secret is in forgetting about body composition or whatever. (laughs) And yet for a lot of people that in the worldview of where they're at, that might be the most important thing in the world. So, you know, I think to make someone wrong for wanting to look at something probably, I don't know. It's a big conversation, but I think one of the things that pops up for me is um, other other worldviews aren't necessarily wrong at all. It's just where do you want to serve and how do you want to show up as the coach who can help a certain group of people, you know? And and what's your story? One thing that um, one thing that I think is interesting sometimes is if you had, you know, say you were say you were say it was back in 2012 and you had a a trajectory for going uh maybe it was running at the time you know maybe you saw yourself in dietetics or or and being a runner and and kind of shooting off in this direction with wherever you were going and then the injury came and things changed you moved into other spaces and you ended up over here this different um This different viewpoint and this one was uh, originally part of like the system it was like well if you follow this career path and if you keep going you end up here and you ended up over here (coughs) and we all end up over here somewhere relative to where we thought we were going to be but the interesting thing is that gap that when you look back um, a lot of times whether it's health nutrition whatever is we often can look back and go, oh, I'm not, I didn't end up where I wanted to be, or I didn't, it hasn't worked out or whatever. But often the interesting thing with story is that that gap was created, that gap is your your value set trying to tell you something. It's, you, it's your deepest part of who you are trying to tell you something and it just moved you away from that one because it was too much tension for you to go against your story. And it's saying, look, look at the thing that's created the gap, like that's you, you know, that self-leadership movement, um, whatever the things were that popped up. And um, I think sometimes for people when they try to bring out that story and try to figure out what those things are, sometimes it's where they didn't go as much as it is where they are, because we can't see the, the, the water that we're swimming in, you know, it's like the goldfish, but we can see where we didn't, what didn't work and what knocked us back or what doors closed or where the injuries came in and slowly keep pivoting until we end up with what seems to be working at the moment. And then that can help us to define some of that stuff as well.
1: Yeah, I, I like how you Yeah, I like how you talk about that. And I think for me, it's not that I fought against my story, but I had like moved through it. So I didn't really see, like I knew it was important in shaping me who like in who I was as like a human and as a teacher, but there was this gap. It wasn't coming through my work. So it's kind of like I was like looking forward and I had been through it. And I didn't really know how to listen, or I wasn't really listening to that. Hey, actually, you're most powerful and you can do the best work with the women back there. Like, that story is really important to them. They like, they love that story, that story they can connect with. They can connect with being in pain, feeling weak, feeling broken like having a regular cycle or unhappy hormones, like not feeling confident in their body. But because I had moved through it, uh, I was lost a little bit about like what I was trying to do. But when I went back to, you know, we did the story work and I did it so many times about, it takes, so it takes so, many,
0: it so time. many times takes so many i did so many times
1: so many times working through the stories all the stories and what were the most powerful stories for me like what were the moments like that really changed my life and you know made me like who i was and i i let go of like that that bit like the the bit where i was yeah like what what did it look like now and i went back to those stories mm. and then I just spent some time listening, listening, listening to what the women were saying, pulling out words and what were they having trouble with and just letting go of like where I think the work should be and what I think they should be doing and just allowed and listened. And what I was hearing was that they, was, they were in this place that I was eight years ago. Yeah. They wanted to, they wanted to learn how to be strong and confident. Uh, and so that was probably one of the biggest shifts for me was like, okay, you bel right now you belong in this space of teaching these women to learn how to train so they can finally get the results that they want, whatever the results means to them. uh, through training and then through understanding the cycle and that cycle piece again came through my story but because i had worked through it it took me a long time to like come back to it but when i was like digging deep into you know my females that i was working with the hormone stuff started to come up Mm. Uh, and so i was like okay so the cycle piece needs to be in here because we don't understand our cycles or our cycles are really irregular or they're having a lot of hormonal stuff going on. Uh, And so I was like, okay, that needs to be in here. And then where it really all started was the food piece. And now I, yeah, and it took me even years after I stopped being a dietitian (laughs) like having that label you know I didn't re-accreditate I am not an accredited practicing dietitian Uh, it took me years to move through that to let that go and to just to find peace with now that you know yeah I did a master's in dietetics but to be honest it didn't teach me it taught me a lot about diet and disease but Mm -hmm. it didn't teach me anything really about what I believe in and what's working for females to support their cycle and their training. Now I didn't learn any of that (laughs) in my master's in dietetics. So it took me a long time to, to make peace with that, but yeah. And that's why the food piece is there, I think, because it goes back to the personal story around my sister and around my curiosity about why does someone have a certain relationship with food?
0: Mm. And you, it's interesting because, you know, if you're listening, we, Amy and I've known each other since 2015. And you were always obsessed with not obsessed, it's the <laughs> wrong word, but like proud, proud of good food, like yeah. what you'd made, what's the what the mixture was, what which eggs and which things. And it was like in nice containers and a proper fork. And like the <laughs> these things weren't just takeaway things that you picked up at the shop, right? And so often other people can sit with you and it's hard because you know, you need to, you need to be able to see the little things, but go even go back to where you were little and pick up little things and um, others can help you to see the, see the, uh, the ways of being. And it's crazy how far back they can go. That still shines through. You probably were making food when you were little, like it, it goes. It can go back to like when you were like two or three years old. It's crazy. Um, last kind of question. Um, so, one thought that I have is one of my theories that I see playing out a lot with people is that there's two ways of looking at this clarity around the thing that you're wanting to do or create, and one is by uh, is is reflected um, by a guy Austin Cleon, a lot of people, um, Seth to an extent. Uh, where you create, you become through what you create. So if you create, you create things. You 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 do blog posts. You do podcasts. You create work and therefore you become. You become the person who owned a gym or you become the person who did this because you created it. And so your your story is from what you're doing. Then there's the other side, which is, um, which is you really want to let your life tell you who you are. You want to look back and understand these values and understand a little bit around what's important to you and get some clarity on what's important to you. If you if you think fairness is important, like you want to put that flag in the sand and like build your business around these things because then you've got something that can sustain and go take you forward. And I kind of think about it like a boat and you have like, you know, the sailing of the boat and the tactical stuff and then you've got the wind and you've got the thing that's dry, like this currents and that and um, you know, I'm interested for you. Do you think that when you're now finding more clarity in these things, the podcast, the blogging, because I know you've done a fair bit of prolific content in the last, you know, two years, 18 months. Um, If you think about that as like the the pulling out of what's important, what's working, what's not working, there's a dead end. Here's this is this seems good. People resonate here, okay, cool. Like. How much of that has been helpful versus how much of like the, I don't like the word reflection because I think it's, that's a whole other conversation, but the story, the story mining, the like drilling down to understand a little bit more about the past where you came from. Tell me what, what resonates out of those two and what do you think has been helpful for you in terms of getting a little bit clearer on this for your business?
1: Yeah, like you said, I've done a lot over the last couple of years Um, and I started a couple of years writing a blog and I did that nearly every day Uh, and I actually haven't done that for a really long time. I don't do it anymore. There was a point where I, like it wasn't, that wasn't a platform for me to connect with my audience. I, and it was so funny. I actually wrote, I think my last blog post was on this that, uh, you know, a MailChimp, you'll see your subscribers. It's not something that I ever put out there like, hey, subscribe to the blog or um, it was just something that came out and I saw that they had gone down and for me, I just sat there that day and I thought about it and I, and then the, I think the last blog post I wrote was that like, it's not for you, it's for me. And so I started it uh just to start writing. Uh it's probably was because of you and we were having conversations about it and that was the time that you were like, okay, let's just like like start doing stuff, like start, start creating. creating content, just create, yeah. create, create. And we had this conversation when we started working together was that, you know, I have been doing it for so long, for twelve years, and I but I wasn't contributing. And so I think that my word two years ago was to contribute. And so I just started to be like, you know what? Okay, I love writing. So I just started the daily blog Uh, and I did it for probably nearly two years, uh, 18 months. And I did it every day and I loved it. Uh, I loved, you know, writing and like just being more aware of what was going on, but It wasn't something that was growing and I wasn't growing it. And, you know, it wasn't something that gained a lot of like resonance or, uh, it gained more when I actually posted them on my Instagram stories than it did actually going into the emails. Like I would get more connection with people. So I tried that and I stopped that some days I miss it, but, and I haven't started like a monthly newsletter or anything potentially I could, but for me, like we were speaking I don't even know if we were speaking before you started recording or when you were recording. I love video. I love audio. And so we I started a podcast, I don't know, a year ago or whatever. I think I just did my 50th episode. So... That for me is a platform where I feel, it feels right. Like I love speaking. I love doing solo episodes, but I also love speaking with people. So I'm doing a series right now. And it came from a conversation we had, cause I have like this concept of like how to train. And instead of me writing about it, I wanted to bring, I just wanted to do a different spin on it. So I am, I, Getting 10 women that are like athletes or advanced in their sport or their practice to come on the podcast and talk about how they train. So their training practice. Uh, and I'm really enjoying doing that. Like I love talking to people. Some are, you know, educational, some are storytelling, some are solo. So that's a uh a powerful platform for me, one that I would love to grow. Uh to make to, you know, do more, make it, yeah. Uh I yeah love video, so I think I did last year or the year before, I did a bunch of like masterclasses, like online masterclasses. Uh, some did really well, some didn't. Uh, and I don't do those anymore, but I do a lot of videos. And a big learning for me, I think over the last year is that my, uh, I'm a, I'm not, you know, I don't want to just identify with this because I'm not just that, but what I tend to lean into is an educational, like a teacher. Uh, Like I love to educate. I love to teach things. And so a lot of my work and a lot of my videos and a lot of my posts comes across very educational, very like teacher. And I've been really trying to lean into, Actually I did a podcast with a woman a few a couple of months ago in person and she said we we didn't know each other like we met on an online platform and she happened to live close by so she came and did a podcast and at the end of the podcast she said to me you're actually really different in person than you are on your Instagram and, and it's something that John and I have been talking about that I can come across quite serious, very educational. And a lot of my work's been like that. So I've been trying to, uh, lean into like, and I, this is why I love the podcast. Cause it brings out a side of me that I find really hard to bring out when I'm by myself because mm. I go very serious, very educational. And so I love the podcast, uh, Yeah. So, and I love doing videos, you know, I, I either do like them on my Instagram or they sit on my website. Uh, But for me, that's, you know, a really powerful uh, platform that I create content in. Yeah.
0: So with the create, the creating, all of that stuff added up into a big bundle or a big mess, right? Because
1: for all of us, that's
0: at the end of the day, it, it goes, it goes so many different directions. Uh, Yeah. But, and at the same time, there's something about it, like all of that has given, has built, like has given you some form of clarity or direction, or at least ability to keep looking or, like, you know what I mean? Like, cause, cause I guess the other side of it is, wow, don't, don't do anything until you're super clear. Right. But <laughs> you know, would you say that you've gotten a lot of value out of even say the blog, which you stopped doing, but you are getting value in terms of your business or direction just from, from creating from, because it's teaching you to think or teaching you to pull out bits of story?
1: yeah and i look i've never had a problem with the creating part like i i love it i love you know in apa you said any project and i like i did it i love doing the work i love creating i'll create as much content you know as i have space for but what was happening was that i had to learn to listen to like filter what i was trying to say because it was too much yeah and that look, it's only really got clear when I got clear about my, like my thing, what am I doing? And I always come back and it's about my prongs. So you'll notice that I'm either posting about training, posting about food, posting about the cycle. I don't post about anything else really. Uh, maybe like small bits here and there of like my life, but, uh, all of my content now is about that. Yeah. because that is what my work is so you know i post about you know my training or the warrior women that i work with what are they doing what i have just recently started to show a little bit of a behind the scenes of like what am i what am i actually doing so like I do this thing where I call it a warrior walkthrough. So I'll write a program for the woman that I'm working with. And then I sit down and I talk her through that program because she's, you know, a lot of the women that I work with are in Australia. And so, and then I shared that and I got such a great response from that. They like a lot of coaches thought it was really cool that that was, yeah. So it's just little things that I'm learning about. Okay. So this is like what really resonates in the training piece. Okay, I talk about this in the cycle, you know, like this resonates in the cycle piece. This didn't do so well. And yeah, it's just... I just keep it focused on those three things and then I'm still learning of what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. Sometimes I think something will go really well and I'm like, Oh, I love all that stuff that I wrote down and like it's super educational, but like it won't go that well. And then, you know, I'll post a picture of myself and say something, but it like, you know, like, and it's like a lighter context and it does really well. So I'm, yeah, I'm just learning still. Well,
0: And the funny thing is like the, 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 both the environment and the market changes. Yeah. So I think like, to be honest, like, I think, I think that, like, I think that's, I think it's your only choice. Like keep, keep changing, keep innovating. And when something doesn't work, it's like, cool, that's great. Like, cause you just, you can't give it any, like a little bit of weight, but also two things won't work twice. And you know what I mean? Like it moves so fast and um, yeah I think getting hung up is is um is is a scary way to go you know um as in like expecting them to work or whatever um awesome is there anything else that you want to talk about that you that's on your mind at the moment?
1: Is there anything else? No, I just, I think a few big things for me over the last few years are, uh, working with you and, and just, you know, spending time on, uh, on, on the business. And what I really want to do is that you, the story piece, yeah. Like go back and connect your dots. Like they're there, uh, and they're really powerful, uh, and then the, you second... know what
0: pops to mind in that when you say yeah. that real quick, is like how powerful it is, or taking the time, however you want to do it, to not fit the story to what you're doing, but to give the story more weight. So, like for example, I can be doing something and feel conflict in it, it's not like whatever, it's not really working go back and I can do all the story work and I can pull things that will just point me to affirming my bias that the thing that I'm doing right now is the only way to go. Whereas if you have an unbiased or more honest look at the story, it's probably telling you something else. And I think one way to pick that up is if you're really tired or if you don't have any energy that you can kind of generate for the thing that you're doing, um. then or dread or you know any of those yeah. sort of more heavy emotions but you're probably you're probably missing something in that you're probably going against your story in some way like you've probably gotten caught up in the culture which has kind of influenced your decisions versus you know looking back you know what I mean like it's easy to fit the story to the thing it's hard to go back and really sit into it for a little bit more because it means you might change direction.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which kind of brings me to my next piece is that, And I often talk about it in my work, like what works for me today. And this is often with food uh, or training. What works for me today may not work for me tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. And there is like this, this impermanence of it. And often this is a big thing that, you know, a lot of the women that I work with struggle with. Um, And then also I struggled this uh, with this, you know, through my, through the business and through the content is that, you know, what works today may not work next week or uh, you know in a month's time like we just talked about like the the market changes it changes and uh yeah and so that's a big learning that i that i have had as well you know, we get on this way. Like I even felt resistance letting go of the blog, even though I knew like deep down that, you know, this is not what I should be doing right now. Yeah. I enjoyed it, but it's not reaching my audience. It's not a powerful medium for me. Uh, but I thought, you know, no, I have to keep doing it like every day. Um, and I think that's really important is mm. to be like you know what it's like what works now it may not work in a month's time or a year's time and like that's okay because um yeah it's it just changes so that's I think probably about my
0: that strategy. is like a, um the misunderstanding of the word consistency like consistency isn't necessarily doing the blog for like however many years because the blog wasn't consistent with your story and who you are so you can be consistent on the outside with something that's not incongruence or not consistent with your heart and then all you're doing is fighting for a year you know and it's not um yeah it's hard it's hard to it's hard to slow down and to really listen to to that heart or to who you are you know it takes i mean it's probably life's work is to keep doing it
1: yeah but i love how you bring that up john and i know if you i know that you've spoken about it before about this consistency uh because often people would describe me as very consistent you know you're, you're consistent how do you do it like you train every day you do this and and i love how you i love how you speak about it that it's the consistency of like your story, your intention, like your values, like who you are. It's not so much about the habit. Yeah. The habits are important, but, uh, yeah, I think when people talk about, I want to consistently like create content or I want to consistently like do this, but it's coming back to like, what's the intent? Like who, mm-hmm. who are you? What's your story? Like for me, like I, you know, I train, like I move. Yeah, I train. Like that's so a part of who I am as a human. It always has been. And as through my work that it's not, I wouldn't call it a habit. (laughs) It's just who I am. I have to move my body. Eating real whole food is like who I am. It's not, You know, I don't follow a certain way of eating or a diet. And I think with your work as well, it's like, What's your intent? Like, who are you? Who, what is your story? Yeah, I come from you know, a background where I did drama. So I expressed and articulated myself really well. So, yeah, a podcast or speaking is going to come more natural to me. Um, not saying that you can't learn it, and of course you can, but yeah, it's coming back to that. Like, what's the intent in your story? So, yeah, I really love how you talk about consistency.
0: I think about it when we were little, we used to like help dad when he was building the boat and you had to stir this like epoxy stuff in a, um, in a pot is like two parts of this to one part of this, whatever toxic stuff, like (laughs) bad fumes, whatever, but you're stirring it with a stick and you're stirring it to get it to a good consistency. And (laughs) it's the, it's a, um, it's kind of an alignment. It's a smoothness. It's a, this, this is like how it, this is how it, this feels right. You know, there's not big chunks and stuff. Um, yeah. And it, it helps you to, it helps you to kind of, I I think it saves energy. It helps you to not fight, you know? And I think there's place for hard work and there's place for all of these things and discipline. But if your, your story is driving your behavior, then things get kind of easy. And if you look at where that arc is going, it it feels easier versus um, the work feeling really, really hard. And I think that's kind of probably another conversation, but I think that's where probably another disruption in this whole health and wellness thing can, can be coming from. Is it, it's still this press fit look and feel, and it's not real. You know what I mean? Like there's, whether it's the physical side or the morning routines or these things like it's kind of this press fit thing that's coming from these nonfiction books. And it's like, okay, cool. That's one way, but it's not going to feel right in the hearts of a lot of the people out there. There's a huge market to help people in health and wellness that will look completely different. And it's going to be cool to see how that comes through. I think the work you're doing is a different, it's a different story arc for these women. And I think that's why it'll resonate. Um, especially as that arc gets clearer and clearer and can be something that people can co-create with you. It's like, Oh, this feels good, you know, and this isn't press fit and this isn't exactly the same as what I've seen for like 10 years. You know, this feels more true to me, you know, it's really exciting.
1: It is exciting.
0: (laughs) Awesome, Well, let's call it there. um thanks so much for your time, and how many more do you have in your series?
1: Uh, I think I have five. I've got two recordings uh this week, I yeah. think so that might be five five or six or six or seven, yeah, yeah, and then um. I did my last one with Fitter Woman, which I really cool. So one of the scientists that works for one of the big cycle tracking apps oh, um, sat cool. down. Yeah, which was really great. So uh yeah, so there's about five more episodes.
0: Cool. Well, I'll um I think most people know where to find you, but I'll put this stuff into the notes and look forward to seeing them come out. Um yeah. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, John. It was nice to chat to you. <laughs> um, I enjoyed, enjoyed this, uh, this conversation. I always love chatting to you.
0: That's it for this episode of the Access Potential Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this one. Feel free to reach out john at johntmarsh.com if you've got any questions on this episode or any of the previous ones. Uh, website is currently getting rebuilt, some updates happening there. So uh, you'll see that if I uh, do head over to the website, the blog is still going out. Uh, however, it's just a little bit patchy on the site as this maintenance kind of stuff happens. So that's it for today. I'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.